I don't know, man. Maybe don't brag about buying an R. Kelly CD. I'm just saying. Welcome to Tencent Takes, the show where we don't conform to standard sizes. One issue at a time. <laughs> my name is Jessica Fraser, and I am joined by my co-host, the shape-shifting charlatan, Mike Thompson. I don't... <laughs> I think that may be the most wildly inaccurate description of me yet on the show. <laughs> I know. You're not really a charlatan. Yeah. It just was the only thing with the shh thing that I could come up with. Listen, <laughs> I was okay, crunched fair. for time, okay? <laughs> trying to zhuzh up your look a little bit you know oh thank you, you i appreciate you, it you're a new you mike <laughs> okay <laughs> oh well how you doing oh i'm fine i um <laughs> i don't know my beard keeps on changing shape because i refuse to comb it like i guess i don't know hey that's something yeah. Something. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting enough white hairs in my beard now that I've noticed that certain chunks of it grow faster than others. Like I have to trim it down and like even it out every couple of weeks because otherwise it just it's a mess. Oh my goodness. Yes, I'm getting like a stripe in my hair, which I like to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I feel like there's a joke about silver foxes in here somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> It's it's okay. If we dig deep enough, there probably is. <laughs> Apparently. Anything can be an inappropriate joke if you dig hard enough. Oh, oh no. Here we go. <laughs> we've we've created a whole new show, everyone. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're new to the show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discoveries mini episodes that we do in between those deep dives. We spend a lot of time rooting through the dollar bins at local shops looking for interesting stuff. And while a lot of the issues we find are fun and weird, there may not be enough for us to do a deep dive on at the moment, but we do always reserve the right to change our mind later. Each episode will feature both of us talking about one random issue we came across in the dollar bins, one that fits a theme that one of us chose. So I chose comics of unusual size. So that is mm. what we have brought to the table today. Yeah, I was excited about this. Like as, yeah. as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, I've got one like I haven't even filed away yet. Perfect. Perfect. We'll talk about what it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. These are mini episodes that are meant to provide you with some weekly content between our more in-depth discussions about the weirder and more interesting moments of comic book history. So, Mike, mm -hmm. what do you have for us today in your comics of unusual size? Yeah. So I received this during our recent dollar bin themed secret Santa. And this is the same situation where in our last episode, you had a book that you had received from Rob from Deer Watchers. Yeah. My secret Santa was Guido from Deer Watchers. And so <laughs> by the way, like if you haven't listened to Deer Watchers, you really should go check them out. They're this great omniverse themed podcast. They look at kind of like the imaginary 
what if else world stories that comic books had and it's really fun we love them we get to cross over with them less often than we would like but we love hanging out with them when we do yeah and if you haven't listened to them yet what are you doing i know right what are you doing with your life really (laughs) but yeah so this was one of the books that guido sent over to me and as soon as i saw it i like kind of nerded out because i love this book The comic is Captain America meets the asthma monster, and it is a five by seven comic that Marvel produced with the pharmaceutical company Glaxo Inc. There was a full sized version as well as this mini version. Interesting. Yeah, it's I'm not sure like how they were distributing the mini versions, because I remember reading the full size copy of this. In the early 90s when I was at a doctor's office and they were actually running me through tests to diagnose me with asthma. Like, I haven't read this since then, so this was like a real trip down memory lane. But this doesn't have a cover date. It was apparently put out in 1984. It was written by Louise Simonson, penciled by Alex Saviak, inked by Fred Fredericks, lettered by Rick Parker, colored by Paul Becton, and edited by Howard Mackey. And yeah, let's just jump right in. So... We get an abbreviated recap of Captain America's origin on the inside cover, and then the book kicks off. The story begins with an elementary school student named John and his friends talking about how Captain America is going to make a benefit appearance at the local mall. John gets excited looking at the announcement flyer, but then has an asthma attack. A bully makes a comment about how, quote, sicko nerds aren't allowed to see Captain America before the teacher sends John to the nurse, and the nurse gives him his meds and then sends him to lie down until he can breathe easier. John gets in his head about how basically he's useless because of his asthma. And then the nurse brings in a girl named Ruth who reveals that she also has asthma, which John can't believe because she's captain of the swim team and you can't do anything when you've got asthma. And Ruth basically provides a layperson breakdown about asthma, including triggers and what actually causes the attacks, including excitement. And then the kids hear the nurse scream in the other room. So they run out. And they find the nurse under attack by this pretty monstrous dude screaming about how if he can't breathe, no one can breathe. He looks kind of like a knockoff version of Swamp Thing, to be honest. Like he's like got this very kind of like, I don't know, like organic monster like appearance, a lot of green and kind of like texture. Um, Yeah. He calls himself the asthma monster. He has a canister attached to a spray gun that he identifies as his Allergun. And it sprays a mist that causes people to have breathing problems. The allergun doesn't work on the kids because they've taken their meds, which the Ah. asthma monster then shouts about how he knows where he got, he knows where they got their meds from. And so he's going to destroy them at their source. And then he just teleports away. John and Ruth try to help the nurse, but Ruth tells John that they can't give her their medicine because they don't know if it's actually an asthma attack and taking other people's medicines can be dangerous. Okay. Yeah, like the kids go into the hallway and they try to get help, but then they find the asthma monster spraying a classroom with his allergun before he teleports away again, which like, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of living for him, like terrorizing all these school children. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) great. So then John and Ruth call an 800 number that was on the Captain America flyer and they leave a message explaining the situation. And then they run outside and they find that more people have fallen victim to the asthma monster. Just as Captain America pulls up in a bright yellow van, Cap reveals that his computer relayed John's message to him, and then they check everyone to make sure they're all right. Cap calls the National Guard and kind of like explains the situation, but then that way the National Guard are going to bring in doctors to provide aid to all these people. 
and he takes the kids with him on his motorcycle. They race across town to the office of Dr. David because that's where the kids get their asthma medication. <laughs> and John has another excitement induced asthma attack and Cap talks is. him through a mental exercise to calm down. And the kids ask him oh. how he knew what to do. And Cap reveals that he had asthma as a kid. Right. It's oh. actually really cute. That is really sweet. Yeah. And Cap explains that like, actually like this mental exercise actually helped him a lot later on in life. Like when he's fighting supervillains, I'm like, that's really sweet. I like that. Oh, the group arrives at the doctor's office and they find the asthma monster attacking Dr. David cap and the asthma monster start brawling. And then cap gets blasted with the aller gun, which gives him breathing problems, but it doesn't take him out for the count. The kids, <laughs> the kids end up spraying the asthma monster with some inhalers that they find. And the asthma monster shouts about how, the mist is covering his helmet's eye shields. And then Cap is like, wait, that's a helmet? Because it looks like, you know, a monstrous face. And so he then slams his shield into the villain's head in order to crack the helmet. And Cap uses an inhaler to recover. And we see the asthma monster is revealed to be this dude in a suit. And he can't breathe because of all the shit he's been spraying in the air. The asthma oh monster, God. like they try to give him medicine and the asthma monster doesn't want to take it because... He had asthma as a kid and he hated how it made him sick. So he wanted to make everyone else sick like him. Oh, my he God. Be- he became an inventor and made a sealed suit that protected him from asthma triggers and then wanted to, like, make it so nobody else could breathe except for him while he's in his suit. This doesn't okay. seem like the most well thought out plan, but OK, whatever. The cops arrive while John and Ruth talk about everything that they learned. Ruth reveals to Cap that she was about to ask John to be on swim team and then the asthma monster is getting frog marched out and he tells them that he'll be back and cap and the kids simultaneously all respond with and we'll be ready for you the end and (laughs) and they're like all holding their inhalers it's very cute and then on the back cover there's a hidden word puzzle with words related to asthma and like i'm not gonna lie this is a really sweet little comic like the art is great the story is a solid 16 page adventure. That's like the definition of edutainment. It, it feels like a Marvel comic, but it also feels mildly educational. Louise Simonson is a great writer who went on to be really prolific in the eighties and nineties. Like she co-created cable from the X-Men. She was really involved in the death of Superman arc, like Mm -hmm. really, really big deal. Really talented writer. We've definitely talked about her on the show before. Like, if not once, then many times, I would say. Yeah. And like, I, I really feel like Louise Simonson doesn't doesn't get enough due. I feel like she's a little bit underrated. I love anything that she writes. Alex Saviak, likewise, was a pretty strong artist. He did the art for the Defenders of the Earth series we recently talked about. And then, yeah, the art in this book feels like it's very it's very early 80s. Like, you know, it, it's kind of like that of that era. But it's cute. Like the kids look like elementary school kids. Like they're believably elementary school kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed this. I, w- I reread this in like, you know, 10 minutes. And I was like, this still holds up really well. Like, <laughs> like we need more comics like this. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. You know, like as opposed to remember how we talked about the Superman Radio Shack comics and how those things. <laughs> yeah. Like they're those things are charming in their own way, but like at the same time, like they are absolutely kind of like commercials and and they get real in the weeds about like the history of microprocessors and things like that. And you're just like, oh, yeah, okay. Yes. This wove in, it's sprinkled in 
the information about health and asthma and and medicines and how they work much more organically. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, oh, that is my comic nice. of an unusual size. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to hear about yours. Well, I was recently hunting in the dollar bins at Outer Plains in Santa Rosa, and I found these three issues of the Yikes publication. I've never even heard and of these before. I hadn't either. This is the second volume. It's issue number one, published in November of 1997 by Alternative Press, Inc. Oh, okay. And created by Stephen K. Weissman. It noted that it was printed in Canada. So, you know, fun little 90s Canadian. All right. So clearly we need to eat poutine while we read this. I gosh, I need some poutine in my life right this second. Right, man. Sarah and I really wanted to get some poutine the other day, like, and just didn't happen. It made me so sad when we were in Petaluma and Brewster's, like, because so like smoking bowls is still around. They are. Oh, shit. I got to go get some of that is what I need. Shit's delish. Yeah. If if you're ever in a Roner Park, California, (laughs) go to smoking bowls. Well, and that's the same shopping center as uh, Harvey Doss. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, Smokin' Bowls is great. Like, really tasty food. Like, clearly yeah. stoner-influenced, but like, yes. but just really delicious food. And and they also have a lot of gluten-free options, which is great. Yeah. And the Pupusa place right next door, fucking mm-hmm. delicious. Out of this yeah. world. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, obviously I might be a little hungry. I'll figure that out after this. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. So the comic is seven by seven. Okay. It's a square. Oh, weird. And it's a three color comic. So except for the cover, the comic is all black, white, and mint green, which is interesting. Wild. Okay. This is an anthology comic with four stories all in a spooky Halloween theme. And this isn't normal. These kids aren't always like this because it's following young kids who are different monsters in this situation. So story number one is don't call me stupid. And it's about the children raiding the neighbor's house for their stolen bat. And then they go a little, a little far with it. They tear up the inside of the opposing neighbor kid Tubby's room in the process. The kids leave a note that a ghost had torn up his room. And I don't think his name is really Tubby or Chubby. Like, they never actually say this kid's name, but you can see the vibe Mm. of this. It's, like, not great in that respect. Yeah. Um, The kids leave a note that a ghost had torn up his room as a punishment for being mean. So when the neighbors get home, the kid's bragging about how he's going to be on TV because a ghost tore up his room. And one of the kids in their anger says... That wasn't a ghost. That was us. To which the kid yells, mom, I'm telling. <laughs> like totally walks into that. <laughs> so the second story is called Crisis and is about a crime that the kids as detectives are trying to solve. There's been murders of third graders and they're sure that one of their friends did it. So they're like following him around and. They're like, oh, it was probably one of like probably his cousins that did it. And so they like go and take down the cousins. And then after that, we get a different split cut of two actual police detectives saying that like 
a teacher had committed the crime. And then the third story is called James Watch. It's about a couple of the kids who end up getting their hands on cigarettes. The girl accuses the boy of stealing them, but he insists he didn't. She goes Hmm. in to use the bathroom, like wherever they are. And there's this old woman attending who like hands her some toilet paper. And as she's leaving, the woman asks her for some change for the assist, basically like being the the bathroom attendant. And she walks out to get some change from the boy who then tells her that he had bought the smokes from James watch. And she says, I don't know any James watch. To which he says, I'm just telling you. Like, okay. I, some of these went over my head. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, maybe yeah. it's Canadian humor. Maybe it's know. Canadian humor. Like, when, when did you say these were published again? It was like the 90s? 1997. Like, like, I wonder if these were like kind of like inside jokes to the culture and like the time era, whatever. That's what I'm wondering. Know. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering too. And the final story is called Back in the Day. And it's about a Frankenstein dog who he's having this dream about running to catch a ball. And he and he's with this Frankenstein kid. So it like makes sense at the time. Okay. Right? So okay. he dreams that he had gotten skunked, but he's like a real dog in this dream. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't have the little like, you know, the indication that he's the Frankenstein yeah, the, the dog. Stitches, he doesn't have the, the one bolts. stitch in yeah. his head. Yeah. He just has one stitch in his head. That's how he's the Frankenstein dog. So. He dreams that he had gotten skunked and he was sent outside by the family and then he's like running around and he ends up like in the lake because he's like wants to go wash off in the lake. And then the dog wakes up and runs out of the house like the the Frankenstein dog wakes up and runs out of the house, presumably towards the lake again. And then we get an afterword. Like at the very end of the comic on the very last like cover back side, we get an afterward that the dog was found in the lake frozen, but that the professor had revived him. And that was super fucking dark. So the dog was like recreating its own fucking death. I was like, I know. I was like, that's awful. Like, that's awful. So, yeah, um, it was like an interesting little comic. It was like kind of wholesome but like not at the same time i was was gonna say but also like not yeah that's interesting not yeah the art was super cute though i liked that all the kids were halloween themes like one of one of them was frankenstein's monster Mm -hmm. one of them was a little dracula just but with one fang oh that's cute one of them yeah and he was the one that they thought had murdered someone because somebody had been killed with like a two fang like death but like they're like it can't be him because he just has one fang right (laughs) so then they thought it it was the two cousins that each had one fang so they're like they went in together and did it so that's why they like went after that kid (laughs) but so one had x-ray vision and that's how they knew where the bat was initially one was a zombie and one was like medusa and one was like a jekyll and hyde that's that was the kid that they didn't like Hmm. so I did like the three colors. It was really neat, but because of the green, I wonder how accessible it is to all readers. Oh, you yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I am interested to see what else the other two issues contain because they're not this Halloween theme. They're yeah. just like normal kids in these other issues. But I did like the vibe of this one as being like low key, kid friendly, spooky in a way. Right. Like, Again, the one thing I will criticize, like I've already mentioned, is the fat phobia. Like, like they just, the only thing that they ever called that neighbor kid was tubby or chubby or they made fun of his weight. Like, I mean, that was the, that was the joke. And I'm, 
Yeah, like, I mean... It's not surprising um, for the 90s, but, like, it's still, you know, I still don't have to like it, so... Yeah, I mean, you know, go back and listen to our episode about Kid Cannibal if you want to learn more about <sighs> fat-phobic yeah. comic books. Jesus Christ. Oh God. Which has come up a few times recently, which, oh yeah. God, just is the era, but, yeah. Yeah. So that was my comic. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, that is our episode for today. Thank you for joining us. We will have a deep dive next week. Who knows what it's about? We're recording these so out of order and far in advance that only time will tell. All chaos all the time on this podcast. Yes, absolutely. And then we will have another Dollar Bin Discovery after that. But until then, we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, written by Jessica Frazier and edited by Mike Thompson. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan MacDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who's at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter for now. The official podcast account is tencenttakes, all one word. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica is spelled with a K. And Mike is Van Sau, V-A-N-S-A-U. You can also find us on Instagram, Mastodon, Facebook, TikTok, and Blue Sky. A full list of our socials will be listed in the show notes. You can also send us mail now. We are at P.O. Box 940 in Pengrove, California, 94951. And Pengrove is spelled P-E-N-N-G-R-O-V-E. Send us stuff. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop. 